hello. I'm drifting like a ghost. It's 6.56. 56 p.m. on the East Coast. And we've got a bunch to talk about on this Monday night, kicking off the new week. Great things, great things scheduled for every night of the week. I've got all my topics, at least a, a, a sketch of where we're going. But I'm happy to have you here with me. It is February 6th, 2023. Hey, if you guys see Matt walking around anywhere, tell him happy birthday. It's Matt's birthday. And it was my aunt's birthday over the weekend. Got a bunch of February birthdays in our lives. Too bad it's February. But thank you for being here. What are we going to discuss tonight? Well, first I want to welcome all of our friends who are watching on YouTube or quite frankly.tv. We had a great night at quite frankly.tv last night. Uh, I woke up this morning and I was reminded by all the trending topics and the headlines and the outrage <laughs> that it was the Grammys last night. I didn't even know what the hell that was going on because I was watching Sherlock Holmes 1 and 2 with a really cozy crowd on Quite Frankly TV. It was a lot of fun. And then uh, the fun stretched deep into the night and into the early morning, although I was asleep at that point. But the really late night stuff is for the real East Coast night owls and for the rest of America who are sometimes two, three, four, six. If you think about Hawaii behind the Aleutians. So that was a great time. But as for right now, thank you to everybody who's watching on Foxhole, which is on quite frankly TV and YouTube and Rumble and Twitch and DLive, Theta, Rockfin and beyond, not to mention our early morning warriors who are listening and tuned into uh, the WHYU 89.1 in that tri-state area near West Virginia, Maryland, Virginia area. Loving you all. I still have not gotten an email from anybody who listens on the radio out there, so I don't believe hey, maybe the cows are listening. Anyway, as long as I'm bringing some joy to somebody, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Let the cows listen for all I care. But uh, as far as tonight goes, ladies and gentlemen, we have a good one. It's all going to be about last night's Grammys. Now, not a play-by-play, -play, though I will, I'll play a little bit of, of Mark Dice's three-minute nutshelling of the whole thing. But it brings up a much bigger theme for me. Now, tomorrow night is the State of the Union. What I am saying right now is that tomorrow night is the HR department. The HR department going on out there with their very, very tediously prepared missive about the state of our union. They're going to tell you how amazing the... The, the, we are as a nation economically and all that shit. Tomorrow night, actually, I do want to talk about how well are you doing economically? We're going to be talking about all that nonsense. I don't care what the hell their job numbers are. There's just, do you feel like things are doing well? Do you, do you feel the goodness that they say is actually all around us and we're, we're humming along better than ever before? Do you, do, you, do you feel the effects of that? I sure don't. Uh, and I don't see any other metric anywhere else other than them saying that, I guess, 
500,000 gigs were picked up. Out of that 500,000, it's probably the same person taking on five jobs at a time. You remember we started seeing the emergence of that metric after Obamacare? That was the 39 and a halfers. 30, that, that was when a new category of worker popped up, the 39 and a halfers. That's when they, 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 people couldn't be able to get all of their hours in one place because small businesses who could not afford to give full-throated government health care, subsidized health care to everybody and meet those needs, uh, had to relegate themselves to just bringing on a team of part-time workers cobbling together the work week. And that put pressure on other people to go and find several other jobs to cobble together a living as well. So... We'll see what kind of context we can put on that. But otherwise, it's more general thing. Do you buy it? Do you feel the prosperity? Does this feel like a prosperous time in America? Because they're trying to tell you it's the best we've ever had it. That'll be for tomorrow. Anyway, um, but for tonight, the real State of the Union is tonight. Tomorrow is the HR department coming out with their their missive that they're going to just lie to you about everything about how great it is but last night was the real state of the union so we're going to make uh, some comments on what was on display maybe we'll take some calls i don't know if we'll have time for that but we have a great call in the second half of the show around 8:15 eastern time aristophanes revenge is coming on the show as a first-time guest he authored a few of the articles that we have used on the show in the last year or so. In fact, I think the first thing that we did of his, maybe not, maybe not, but the most fun thing of his that we did was the the piece about protest, how to protest the fake meat, how to protest fake meat, which is great because I have an update on this one here too. Check out this headline. This is from Axios. Fake meat fad hits the chopping block. Customers and investors alike are sticking a fork in fake meat. Nobody wants to shit anymore. You know why? Probably because of Aristophanes. <laughs> I'm putting it all at his feet. Eating plant-based meats is one of the easiest ways for Americans to reduce their overall carbon footprint. Yeah, go fuck yourself. It's also how you the easiest way of killing yourself. Well, we need to reduce our carbon footprint. Get some fake meat, honey. But after years of hype, the tide is turning against the first generation of plant-based protein makers. Why is that? Because people, regardless of how much they want to help the environment, still need to stay alive by eating real food. It is real, Frank. It's plant-based, shaped like meat. It's discards. It's trash from China. It's literal discards. Now, you can say, well, Frank, uh, you know, back in the day, they took the discards from grapes after they were pressing them for wine and they took the skins and they were actually they were able to create cognac from the skins of grapes and you know how much a bottle of Hennessy is not talking about cognac not talking about cognac we're talking about fake meat fake shit okay and it's not going anywhere so that's great that's great they couldn't they couldn't do they couldn't do what they wanted by persuasion they couldn't do what they wanted don't think that this is the end of it they always try to see what they can get by on people through persuasion what dolt is going to go out there and buy the impossible burger 
meat mix at AMP and go home and convince themselves that they like it. First, they're going to find out what idiot is actually going to go out there and do it on their own. Then they'll just they'll have to try to do something else. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to happen, but they're not going to stop. So Aristophanes is coming on in the uh, the second half, not because of the meat story, but it's because I wanted to read through a th- recent thread of his that I think goes so he- well hand in hand with the things that we were seeing at the uh, at the Grammys about this intragenerational struggle for power that that is and that is going to be happening very soon, and, and it's already started happening. Which generation is going to predominate? What kind of chaos is going to be coming? Um, because I saw a battle of generations. You see some old freaks trying to hold on, like Madonna. Oh, my gosh. She spent so much time trying to keep herself young, and she turned herself into a fucking praying mantis. It's just... And it's appropriate. It's it's apropos. I'm happy she turned herself into a fucking freak. Okay? Because nobody should cling, should cling to to youthful beauty that desperately and deserve to actually attain it. So I'm glad she turned into an absolute freak. But there's a little bit more of that intergenerational weirdness that's going on there. And of course, the young, the youngs, the youngins are, are just nuts, nuts. So um, that'll be the talk tonight. It's going to be a very culture-based conversation tonight, and I hope you enjoy it. I want to thank Blue Monster Prep. Um, let's see here. Um, sorry, I got a text from Lauren. Everything's okay. No worries. Blue Monster Prep, thank you so much for being the sponsors this week. As always, I would say earthquakes we got to talk about that just a little bit i'm sure that there's going to be more updates as time comes comes on what was going on in, in turkey two very serious earthquakes one after another flirting with eight on the richter scale thousands are already dead confirmed dead i'm there's probably more these these housing complexes these buildings were just they were just becoming dustified and just falling um, incredible, incredible and horrific and uh, have had a pit in my stomach seeing everybody in, in such chaos out there and I had a, I have a couple of friends in the Turkey, in Turkey, I was going to say in the Turkey area, they're in Turkey and I haven't heard back from them yet, just been putting out the, uh, the, the bat signal, making sure everybody's all right and accounted for, but still, we have to talk about that. That's just a little bit more, uh, ladies and gentlemen, be prepared for whatever. Be prepared for whatever. Please go to bluemonsterprep.com and take a look at the stuff that they have. Um, obviously, in a situation like that, food and water would become would become very high valued, especially if it's in a place that isn't destroyed. If it's an earthquake, but no matter what, communication, anything else, and do other things. As far as prepping goes, do other things in your personal life that doesn't require any money. Coordinate with those who matter the most. Let them know times and places, meetups, what you do when. You got everybody's got to get that stuff worked out. Um, definitely. So bluemonsterprep.com, promo code frankly. If you don't know where to start, get in touch with Pat and Gina. They will spend all the time it needs. 
they need, you need to feel better about what your plan is on the phone, through email, whatever it is. Go ahead, do it. Okay, uh, tomorrow we'll, we'll, we'll ask, are people broke? Are you guys and gals, are people around you broke? Do you feel a prosperity? Jason Burmis is going to be on with us February 8th. That'll be a very good one. That'll also be the night of the book club finale for C.S. Lewis that we couldn't do last week because of my bubble guts. February 9th, that's Thursday, Libertarian Roundtable. Moonlit Matt, Max Ancaparato, our buddy Based Heisenberg, Ben. We'll be coming, we'll be talking about the drug war. We'll be talking about, you know, what does a, uh, what do solutions to everyday major problems in society look like in a stateless society or in a minarchist, complete, a minarchist society? Bare bones government. Strip away 95% of what we have right now that we're dealing with especially with the feds, what do the problems we have today look like, especially when it comes to drugs and um, homelessness, other things. That's going to be an interesting night. Three great guys, and I hope we have a lot of fun. And hopefully they don't don't embarrass me. Um, February 10th, that's Friday. That is when we are going to be doing this because it's already filled with incredible, incredible responses. The show thread for Friday asks the question, what is the most important lie you have ever told? Have you ever had to lie to buy yourself time in a sticky situation, to conceal a wonderful surprise from someone, to give comfort or hope to a loved one who desperately needed it, or have you ever had to lie to save your life? We have a, we have a full page already of tremendous stuff. I hope that you guys go to the quitefrankly.tv forum This is stuck to the top with all the other open show threads. Get things in there before Friday because I know it's going to inspire a lot of great calls. Okay. um, Yeah, uh, here we go. Major earthquake quake kills. At this point, they say 3,700 people in Turkey and Syria. Huge earthquake killed more than 3,700 people across a swath of Turkey and northwestern Syria on Monday with the freezing winter weather adding to the plight of the thousands left injured or homeless and hampering efforts to find survivors. The magnitude 7.8 quake brought down whole apartment blocks in Turkish cities and piled more devastation on millions of Syrians displaced by years of war. It struck before sunrise in harsh weather and was followed in the early afternoon by another large quake. Both over seven. Just incredible. Now, the first thing I, I thought to myself was, did it was anybody forecasting this? Uh, what 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 has Dutch since been saying in the the days leading up to this? Anything? Um, nobody wants to take a victory lap after thousands of people die. But did, was anybody was anybody forecasting this? I I have not I have not seen what was being said, but. We're going to keep on on top of that terrible situation. Then you have this. The balloon thing is over. Got shot down over off the coast of Myrtle Beach. And the, the greatest game of follow the bouncing ball is finally done. They allowed the balloon to very politely cross over the entire continental United States and then wasted a fucking fighter jet missile on the damn thing. I would have thrown a harpoon at it at that point. Why wait? But then again, why not waste money? <laughs> why not? Why not do it? Um, 
there is um I think it was Robert Phoenix that actually said something else. I've been wondering about people like Robert Phoenix, Ryan Gable, what they have been finding as far as synchronicities go with all of these these stories and occult breakdown of the Grammys. It's the kind of thing where you don't you don't have to look out for people and whether or not they're doing hand signals or they're giving somebody a special handshake or somebody's wearing a uh, a pin on their lapel anymore. You you see the, the the compass and 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 all that stuff. And, oh, that's Masonic. Oh, that's a there's Baphomet. You know whatever the the choreography. You don't even need that shit anymore. For anybody out there that was doing de-occulting videos five, ten years ago, where there was still some plausible deniability, a veneer, just a little bit of veneer of, of deniability, what do you do now? Every, they're dressed up like devils, dry-humping each other, um, it, it's denouncing all parts of their humanity that could be confirmed by birth. It's just there, there's nothing left to the imagination anymore. We'll get into it. But um, especially things with this balloon. Robert Phoenix noticed uh, noted that the balloon actually traced across the United States in almost the exact lunar path uh, of that eclipse in 2017. I thought that was pretty, pretty noteworthy. When you talk about synchronicity, I don't know what it can mean. But those are the kind of things that, uh, that make me go, hmm... But an F-22 shoots down Chinese spy balloon off the Carolinas with a missile. With a missile. What a waste. The reason why this got sent to me is because the F-22 flew with the call signs Frank-01 and Frank-02. A possible homage to World War I flying ace and U.S. Army Air Service Medal of Honor recipient First Lieutenant Frank Luke Jr., better known as Arizona Balloon Buster. Ah. Everybody said, Frank, they use your name. And I said, you're welcome. But don't waste all that money. Don't waste all that money. It also shows how schizophrenic everybody is about the military. We go from saying shit like, Pointing out how 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 woke it is and how the culture is going to shit, and then um, and then everybody gets goosebumps when they see an F twenty two show up off the coast of South Carolina to pop a fucking balloon. <laughs> I don't know. That whole story just did not hit me the way it hit other people. I I I'm I know a lot of people believe, uh, agree with me though. But I, I'm what I'm saying is the people who are just outraged for days. All right, well that's it for now. We're gonna start the show off. That was the end of the pre-show. I hope that you guys have had some time to find yourself your regular seat, settle your ass down, get comfortable, throw a nice little throw blanket over your legs, have a hot beverage ready to go, and everybody's relaxing. Or if you're driving overnight somewhere, carrying a gigantic payload with you, who knows? Who knows what you're doing? But however you enjoy the show, may your seat be comfy and your pants be off. We will be right back. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. 
It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back! Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! It was a busy weekend for a lot of other things there too. There's a lot of, there's a lot of. I stay out of drama, but there's a lot of drama out there. Tim Pool's got himself in the crossfire of another one with uh, that this whole Eliza Blue situation. Something was always nothing smelled right about her. Nothing smelled right about her. That's why with all, whenever these threads. Like a suppose she self-proclaimed SRA uh, survivor, and it just seems like it's not really the case. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff going on right now between Tim Pool and the quartering, and and the Eliza Blue thing is it's one thing for a, a chick to be just be lying about something; it's another thing to actually recruit Twitter to be a censoring agent against those who want to you know expose whatever kind of this is that's a grift that's a grift it's not people aren't grifting when they go out there they present yourself of who they are and you just happen to not agree with what they say and you're you're just you know sour grapes that they're making money on on content that you uh you, you can't really get down with or agree with it's just a program that's not for you but this is that's a this smells like a grift Anyway, there's a little bit of that going on, but the, the, the thing that really concerns me, and Greg Carlwood, friend of the show, put it out there on either Saturday night or Sunday morning, and I, I agree, because I, I, I had tried to get Ice Age Farmer on this show months ago. I made a couple of passes, just you know, every once in a while, say, hey man, still love what you're doing. Uh, keep it up and I would love to have you on the show sometime got some cordial responses people trying to you know People trying to book him for me and stuff. I it, uh, There's been a lot of you out there who wanted to see Ice Age Farmer on the show for a while and it just never happened and Apparently he's just off the he's completely off the grid. Nobody knows where he is for over 70 days now It's getting a lot of people spooked out really creepy um, People feel it's a creepy situation. Nobody knows where he is. He hasn't posted since November 8th or something like that. And so there's, there, there are things like that going on that are, that are weird. Twitter itself is odd. All right. That and it's before we get into all this, this cultural rot shit with the, the Grammys, Twitter itself is odd. Now I said object, objectively good things were happening there when there was that change of power. Um, it was objectively good 
I mean, the the whole Twitter files thing at this point is just like so limited hangout. I can't. I don't. I don't even follow it anymore. I think it's up to Twitter files 15, 16, 17. I stopped after six or seven. It's so limited hangout, especially with the people who are presenting the bullshit, and and uh, and I I don't know what else to say about that. The censorship really hasn't been that bad. Like I said, I've, I've had more posts of mine blocked on Truth Social than I ever had Twitter. And, um, but other things are going on. Like they added a For You tab like that, like they have on Tumblr. And everything on the For You tab is not for you. Everything. Nothing is for you on the For You tab. Nothing. All it is is pinned to the top of the thing. Pinned to the the entirety of of the for you tab are crazy crazy motherfuckers like that Jeff Tiedrick, Brooklyn Dad, JoJo from Jersey, that Dash Dabber the, the the people who have the faces of these the dumbest sheen of stupidity over their faces I have no clue what's going on here but it's I mean they are benefiting greatly. Get rid of that tab. Allow people to deprioritize it. The fact that it's the first thing I see every day, and it's not even like they're fresh tweets, so I can go and troll. They're over. A, they're they're over a, a day old, and uh, the reach on everything is killed again. So what objectively was going well, starting to starting to peter out again. Weird, very weird. All right, so here's what we have. Here is what we have. We speculated a lot, especially back last Thursday with Tim and Tim Gordon and Jay Dyer about the new faith of our dystopia. So what came out of the Grammys last night, especially if you watched it after the fact or the highlights like I did, you'll find this actually pretty fitting and validating for everything we've been saying. This was the real State of the Union, all right? I'm going to play you a little bit of Mark Dice. He put out a four-minute video just throwing everything out there. Maybe we can get through a couple of minutes here. But here's here's something for you in podcast land. I don't think that you should really suffer too much without the visuals, but you'll know what's going on. I tried watching the Grammys on Sunday night, but every song sounded like it was written by ChatGPT and performed by someone at karaoke night at the bar. It was pure noise pollution, pop culture poison, fitting for the United States of Sodom and Gomorrah. It started off paying homage to the 30 million illegal aliens who have invaded the United States from Mexico and Central America, with some artists performing a song in their native language. His name is Bad Bunny or Benito something or other. I couldn't care less. But of course, he's bisexual. He dresses up in drag. He kisses his backup dancers of any gender, you know, dismantling machismo. As a queer Latina woman, this is so important to me because he's starting conversations and normalizing inclusivity. Normalizing inclusivity. What does that mean? Like, he's normalizing uh, uh, picking the, 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 the nerd first? On the kickball team? No. Having sex with different people. <laughs> That's all it is. Having sex with with people of the same sex. And just switch and just be being willing to have sex with anything. 
That I, it's the only thing that they talk about. Everything comes down to the orgasm and the fifteen thousand ways that you can induce one. That's all it is. There's nothing sophisticated about this. They try to make it sophisticated. They make up new words that they throw out there, new combinations of words. And by the way, the machismo, what she's talking about dismantling machismo, it's dismantling traditional masculinity and replacing it with a new kind of man that may want to, you know, let loose from time to time, wear a skirt and sit on a parking cone. Oh, oh, here she is. Or here it is. I don't know what Madonna is these days. And normalizing inclusivity. Madonna was rolled out of the retirement home to introduce the first transgender and gender non-binary duo who performed a satanic ritual. That's Sam Smith, by the way, who no longer identifies as a man or a woman. He's a non-binary person. <laughs> I know. Don't even get me started. That ritual was brought to you by Pfizer, by the way. And that's not a joke. The 65th Grammy Awards is sponsored by Pfizer. Okay, so it's, 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 just, it's just incredible. And if you don't laugh, you're going to hit walls. And you're going to ruin the drywall. If you don't find a way to laugh, don't drink. You don't want to do any of that. But you, you got to just whatever. As I said before, the award shows... Super Bowl commercials, the halftime shows, all that. This is their holiday season. They do everything they can to make Thanksgiving and Christmas feel like a, a, a strain. They will, they will roll out anything to make you feel like you are celebrating something that is not good, that you are impeding on somebody else's state of mind, their peace of mind, that you are enabling some sort of colonialist uh, you know, uh, mindset to live on, all that shit. They want to make sure that you are uncomfortable where you should feel most at peace. And then as soon as they turn the page from December into January, that's when their holiday season begins. It's the award shows, okay? And whereas Thanksgiving and Christmas is tradition, a time of tradition for togetherness, gratitude, spiritual, religious rejuvenation, a rebirth, celebrating the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Every number, every number, every dance number that these freaks choreograph is meant to be agitating and provocative. And most importantly, they hope that your children are watching. Every dance number is supposed to be agitating. It's like you, they, they make fun, they make fun of religious people which is just a dog whistle for Christians that they want to destroy, for being uptight and all this stuff. And uh, everything they do is agitating. They are wearing the horsehair sweater. They're constantly doing it. There's never a time of peace. Nobody in that room is an ally. They always talk about allies and friends, intersectionality, bullshit. Intersectionality is a way of making people feel like they have to vote together to achieve an end. But we know that when you break them all down by special interest group, whether it be race or sexual orientation or something else, they all believe that their gripe is bigger than the one next to them. And if they are not put highest on the altar, they will feel like they have been slighted and then they have to go to war. This is Game of Thrones. 
And it's going to be a big part of what we talk about with Aristophanes in the second half. No doubt. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that, let's watch a little bit more. Aside from celebrating Satan, the Grammys also celebrated gluttony, praising singer Lizzo for her body positivity messages. No, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Okay, so I don't care. Thank you so much, Mark Dice, for doing the dirty work that uh, many other people don't want to do themselves and watching it and being able to put it together. I love Mark Dice. He's another guy I would love to have on this show. I really do. Um, what it comes down to is this is the way it is, ladies and gents. About 10 years ago, there was a still, as I said before, a, a thin veneer of plausible deniability of what was going on there. Or just deniability. It was all avant-garde. It was performance art. They gave us a little, just, they gave us a little bit more. They gave us a little bit more of that when we learned about all the spirit cooking and stuff like that. But there's no edge here. This is not edgy. There's no parody here. We're simply just in it. We are in the darkness. That's all. If you think that there's nothing going on, there's there's not a real there's not a real pointed mission for this kind of a production that they aren't actually a religious group then you're a total retard if you think that there's nothing going on here then that that's just what it is or you're or you're lying and you like it you're a part of it and and you're help moving it along in which case, good luck to you. You'll live the rest of your life like chum in the water for the sharks, but that's just really it. Here's the other thing. Speaking of the the uh, the dance in the fire with Sam, what's his name? Transgender. Here, here, th this is the, the whole thing. duo who performed a satanic Sam, ritual. Sam Smith. That's Sam Smith, yeah. by the way. Who, so that's the fire and brimstone. Here's what we got from the decider. Here's the headline. Listen to this one. This is from February 5th. Sam Smith, Kim Petras, Unholy, that was the name of the, sh of, the, of the song, Unholy Grammy performance expected to spark outrage. Here's a quote. I guarantee there will be calls to CBS from outraged Christians. And, and of course, he only says this because Christianity has been legally and culturally vanquished in the West. That's just what it comes down to. Definitely would not be taking swipes at Islam. Sam Smith, he's such a warrior. He wouldn't be taking swipes at Islam because Islam, for better or worse, still operates like an actual religion in the way that, as I said again, for better or worse, it rarely changes or compromises its values. It hasn't allowed an army of lesbian deacons to come in and redecorate their mosques with rainbow flags like every Christian church, every denomination has allowed it to happen to them. All right? So may maybe we can get in touch with Rich Barris, actually. Maybe Rich Barris can poll Muslims on the broadcasting of transgender devil worship on primetime television, see what they think about that. Since, of course, this is all about outraged Christians. That's, those, are the only, those are the only stuffy assholes who would ever not like this, right? Now, seriously, I couldn't give a shit about how a person destroys their own soul. I couldn't. I'm not God's little hallway monitor. God can and will handle his own business. 
as long as I'm not personally bothered by people's insanity, it does not come within my sphere of influence, come anywhere near people I love, then I can tolerate quite a bit for the sake of concentrating on living a good life in the short amount of time that we all have here. I can tolerate it quite a bit. But here's what infuriates me. There's more, the more I learn about the events of the last 150 years or so, the more you dig into our history to see what was, what's going on and how change was forced on so many levels, I would have had so much rather there had been an enemy, an enemy, an outside enemy that would try to have invaded the U.S. by force. I am serious. If we were invaded by an enemy that we can see that rolled up amphibiously, that started shelling us and bombing us, we would see them, we would know them, we would arm up, we would be united in defending our neighborhoods, we would be united in defending everything that we had against a foreign invader. Every death of ours would would fuel our resolve, and there would be no doubt, no doubts about our inevitable victory. That's just, that's, that's the way it would play out. It would be a nightmare. It would be something nobody would want to go through because anybody who's been uh, through war, all the people I've been able to talk to and interview, it's uh, it's hell. It's a it's a it's a it's something that sticks with you and obviously would would leave a scar on at least one or two generations, as it's wiped out many generations over the last hundred or so years war. So it would be a destructive nightmare, but it would at least it would be galvanizing. It would be galvanizing because people would come together and there would be a very defined mission and we would know exactly what we were up against. But instead, our enemies, they did something very sneaky and very slow. They co-opted our schools. They co-opted our media, the churches, the courts. And they slowly and meticulously divided us by race and by sex. And we were told, we were introduced to all types of addictions and deficiencies. We were slowly softened, slowly demoralized. And and just a reminder, demoralize is not to hurt morale in some way. Okay? It's to remove and replace a moral code, a moral culture, to rip apart the moral fabric of a country so that, they, that people don't have the most basic necessary thing in common, a, a, a joined, a, a shared morality. I mean, that's why they're able to do the things that they do on television, at these award shows, in the presence of children, using children as a weapon. This is, this is all part of, uh, this is what is only possible when an entire nation, and they're trying to spread that to an entire planet, has been demoralized. There's nothing there. There's nothing there holding anything back. Everything is relative. And then after all of that, to make things worse, after they have conquered us through this slow, this this boiling the frog in the pot kind of mentality where it's just slow and softening and whittling it all away, once all everything is gone, our morals, our resolve, our, our willingness to fight, all we have is addictions and, 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 and lethargy, all that stuff, that is when they make things worse and they set loose upon us a army of pillow biters like Sam Smith acting like they're warriors, like they're going up against some Goliath.
when Sam Smith is merely the face that Goliath chose to wear like a mask. Okay? Beyonce is the same story. They bleached the choir girl image right out of her a long time ago. And she has been literally worshipped like some pan-African deity for years now. But even so, these are the weakest people on earth. The weakest people are weak and useless. If they weren't weak and useless, they wouldn't need a stage crew to make them look like they're gods. That's something to always keep in mind. Something to always keep in mind. Um, I have something over here from Leo Zagami. He wrote a little bit about this too. We'll start. We'll start from his his standpoint on the on the the Madonna end of things. Leo wrote, he said, Madonna, the queen of satanic poo, described the pair, I guess she's talking about um, Sam Smith and, and the person that he was dancing around with. Here, she, he started back here. The 64-year-old queen of pop, which we should rename the queen of satanic poo, surprised the crowd while introducing unholy. It surprised the crowd because nobody know, knew it was her. Unholy. And just think about that. Performing this, sat- this satanically charged, choreographed piece of shit called unholy on a Sunday. Kim Petras and Sam Smith, the first trans non-binary duo winners, winners, who staged one more of the openly satanic performances ever made at the Grammys since Katy Perry's Dark Horse in 2014. Madonna, the queen of satanic poo, described the pair as two incredibly talented artists who were forging a new path and taking the heat for all of it. See? They're, they're, they're trailblazers. They're Lewis and Clark. Don't you understand? Lewis and Clark, privileged assholes privileged colonialist assholes forget about them okay these two sam smith and tulpa whatever the hell her name is that that's what they're they're forging a new path and taking the heat for what are they what heat are they taking what path are they forging the fact that they call themselves things that are impossible to be that's courageous look look Dancing around with fire around them, having a uh, a mock gay blood orgy on the stage on national television. They forged that? No, the network forged that. They didn't go up there and do anything that was unapproved. They didn't forge anything. This whole idea of strength and trailblazing action is so pathetic. It's so pathetic. You guys need to know, all you troublemakers out there, says the praying mantis, you need to know that your fearlessness does not go unnoticed. You are seen, you are heard, and most of all, you are appreciated. Appreciated by whom, says Leo Zagami. This confirms the insanity of, uh, of the, the insanity of part of our society that can no longer be ignored. And why is the LGBTQ community constantly, constantly supporting Satanism? That's why you need to buy a copy of Confessions of Illuminati, Volume 8, to finally learn and understand the full picture. Um, what, what else did he say uh, at the end here? He said, this is only the beginning, and we need to make everyone around us aware before it's too late for your loved ones or your friends. 
who may have already taken the, uh, the V, risking their health but can still avoid the imminent arrival of the microchip, a.k.a. the mark of the beast, a point of no return that will separate for eternity the believers in God from the slaves of cyber Satan and the Antichrist. Satan is here, and we must fight him or end up in the flames of eternal hell like the ones portrayed at the Grammys. So I, I mean, there's a lot more to that, and we'll get to it. And I'm going to leave uh, the phone lines open. Now you can just call in on whatever you, any kind of observations, other things that you wanted to say. I was talking, I actually on Saturday night, I was watching with Lauren that new film on Prime, Amazon Prime by B.J. Novak of The Office, Vengeance. We had seen the coming attractions for this months ago. I said, you know what? That looks like it's going to be pretty good. So um, I on Saturday night, I went on Twitter. I said, hey, give me some Saturday night movie uh, suggestions because me and Lauren were like, all right, well, let's. Uh, it's three degrees outside. Let's watch something. Let's just hang out and have a night in. And somebody had suggested that. I said, oh, oh, that vengeance thing. Let's just take it out, take, take a look at it. Now, the, the whole premise of this, and you got to go see it. I told Anthony to watch it last night. I think he really liked it. It's a, it's a, it's, it looks really great. B.J. Novak is a, despite all of his known associations and what he, how he probably sees the world, he's a great writer, and he, and he made something that has a lot of very natural twists and turns in it. It subverts expectations, and it also has a lot of heart. And it really isn't. It, it, uh, it, it doesn't really paint one type of person as uh, as pieces of shit and anything like that. It was actually kind of fair. But it talks about a lot about di- disconnectedness is the big theme. How disconnected we are from people. Um, how how uh, obviously our technology that we're using all the time gets in the way of that. And and other other I don't know I don't know how you I don't know mores of today. I, I, you'll see. That's not the the main point. The main point is he got called to a small town in Texas to investigate a murder, a murder that everybody thought that he was this girl's this girl who had died, her boyfriend, but uh, he had only hooked up with her a couple of times, and uh, he was like pressured to go out, and and he figured, you know what, maybe this would be the um, as he's there, he realizes maybe this would be he's a writer would be a really good opportunity to write a story or to do a podcast about the investigation into this girl's death, but not necessarily the investigation itself. He thought that it was just someone who had OD'd and, and that was that. Um, he, as he met a lot of her, her family members down there in Texas, they all had different theories as to what was going on because the death made no sense. So he thought that he would be able to take an angle with this murder investigation to, to introduce all these characters to an, a captive audience and, um, and, and talk about how people would rather make up conspiracies than face certain hard facts and truths that, you know, maybe the one you loved wasn't, any, wasn't everything that you thought they were and they had some problems and they made a mistake and they died. Or, some, or is it a greater conspiracy? Is it conspiring? Uh, is, there, is it a societal issue? Is it a new world order issue? Is it a, uh, cons- a conspiring between local police or something else? Who is responsible and, and where do our minds go? Now, obviously, 
some of the inspiration for this has to be how the concept of conspiracy theory is just so enormous right now, especially as a blood, a, a, a cudgel that is used by the media to stomp out any and all disc, uh, dissent that they, they were able to keep under control at some point. When the, the internet was not the main place where people got their information, they did not care about who had what kind of theory on one thing or another on small little message boards that only the fringe, uh, those of us on the fringes of society are going to, to test out new theories and, and, and have little alternative cracks at investigations and stories that are going on, picking apart official narratives, all that stuff. But now that we're all on the internet, and it's getting harder and harder for the Dan Rathers of today to keep us all corralled in the same pen. Of course, they have to go play whack-a-mole and, uh, and take anybody out who's a conspiracy theorist, a.k.a. nut job, all right, which is not synonymous. The question is, what is theoretical? My question about what I'm thinking about that movie and this, and you have to go see it. I'm not going to spoil any, any of it for you. As I'm watching that, I said to myself, okay, I can understand that. I understand that. I know that the deep state is not responsible for everything that goes goes wrong in our lives. Life is messy. Life is unpredictable. There are too many human variables out there. But on television, at the Grammys, in the streets of a city being burned by rioters, well-timed riots, all that other stuff, Joe Biden presenting... I mean, condemnations for over half of the country in front of a blood-red-soaked Independence Hall back in late August, early September of last year. The declarations made by all the Davos men about how they're going to change the world and the human being in general, the human genome. They're talking about changing humanity. That's not changing the types of cars that you drive or the kind of gadgets that you play with in your free time. They're talking about getting inside of your skull. They're talking about changing the kind of diets that your body can actually handle and metabolize. It's, this is totally different. So my question is, what is theoretical about the shit that we're seeing? I know that once you see, when, once a, uh, a government or, and, a, and their media has been caught in so many lies and you've seen them staging false flags to get us into the greatest of conflicts and the smallest of conflicts, conflicts, then it's very hard to fight off that paranoia that links everything to everything. I understand that. And that's just what time, that's just what time and practice gets you to a, 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 a state where you you're able to, to sift through it all a little bit but there's nothing left to chance here there's nothing left to chance of what we're seeing on a especially on a, on a large level yeah the people who are dying of fentanyl overdoses on a local level it's a local tragedy and is there an overarching overarching uh connectedness to what's going on at the border to what's going on with china yes yes there is so the more you, 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 you back up, whatever, anytime an illegal immigrant kills somebody on the road, you say, is it, is it the deep state that killed your friend or your family member? In a way, yeah. In a way, yeah. 
but at the same time it's just it's just tough and and we are always looking for a way to pass off and explain our pain part of just bargaining you know this is not it though not bargaining about anything i mean the grammys left no illusions as to who the new royalty are i'm not talking about the performers either cuz they are just a sideshow okay lizzo is not the new queen uh, Beyonce is not a queen. She's not a d- demigoddess or anything like that. But they do the legwork for the new kings who are readying the chips. They're readying the passports, the social credit scores. That's what they're doing. You know, I hate the I hate the whole concept of a of of an influencer. I can't stand the influencer label, and the entire economy, the economic driver behind influencers. Everything that popped up around the influencer. I can't stand it, but let's be honest, it's the perfect descriptor for what it is because you have barely conscious people who are paid by the Davos NGO types to go and uh, call even dumber people to one action or another. The average person who watches an award show unironically, okay, the person, and there are tens of millions of them who do, who watches and uh, an award show unironically that they actually believe that it's going to be an exciting night and they have a lot invested personally emotionally and who's going to win they want to see Beyonce become the most winningest uh recipient of of Grammy awards ever that was a that was a big moment for some people out there last night as sad as that is is a big moment but there's a lot of people who show up they watch the the grinding and the writhing on stage the fire the everybody having just feeling like it it's great to wake up in the morning and and to be a different gender than you were the day the day before that is being slowly nurtured into people thinking that there really is no such thing as a boy or a girl as it could change at any time and from there we have the power Think about the, how the, inf- the the chain of influence is right there. They keep watching these idiots, these these semi-conscious drug addicts that are out there singing these songs that somebody else wrote for them, doing the choreography, letting somebody else take control of the whole entire show. I know some people are more invested than others. They get a little bit more stake in their act as they as they as they get up there, but they're all working toward the same end. They're all serving the same masters. But that chain of influence. Just by merit of, let's just take the gender stuff in particular, because there's plenty of other things out there. Um, it's being nurtured out there that, that you, you're you not one thing or another. This is not a binary thing. It's not something that stays what you're born as, doesn't stay that way, whatever. We have the power right there. That right there is the power to tinker with the identity. And if you can tinker with identity whenever or however it pleases us, which is a complete farce, all modalities then from there on to enhance or modify the human body should be on the table. If you're of that mindset that you can do whatever and you can declare yourself as whatever and you can change from day to day like a chameleon, then any and all modalities to enhance or modify the human body will be on the table and there should be and will be no limit. And lucky for you, Uncle Klaus and his friends are going to have a lot of interesting toys to weld into you that will be uh, helping out that short-circuiting brain of yours. Not yours, of course, but somebody out there. 
just just incredible just incredible here's a little bit more for you too the proud family did you hear about this this is disney now we know how bad disney is this is a new new thing on disney plus it's called the proud family and uh, and they're they're giving you a little bit of a uh, motivation to go out there and fight the South African race war that they have been trying to deliver to the United States for a long time, and they're doing pretty damn well, pretty damn well. Listen to this. This is this is animated, five animated Power Girls. Oh, there's so much girl power there. Listen to this, white, especially you white people out there. This country was built on slavery, which means slaves built this country. Tilled this land from sea to sea to sea. First there was rice, tobacco, sugar cane. Then Whitney did his thing and cotton became king. And we were its soldiers. Four million strong. Fighting for America's freedoms, even though we remained America's slaves. slaves. Built this country. The descendants of slaves continue to build this. Slaves. Built- Continuing to build it. Everybody's continuing. All the slaves built the country and they continue to build it right now. Um... Mm. This country and we, the descendants of slaves in America, have earned reparations for their suffering. And can- Who, who's earned what? You know what earning means? Does anybody know what earning means anymore? But of course, they're 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 giving this to children who don't think about anything. They hear something, they repeat it. Especially, you know, I'm around Aurora now. She's not. She's not even two and a half years old, and I say something, she repeats it. I say something, something else, she repeats it. And that's just what it is. We go back and forth, and I have a lot of fun with that. And I use it as an educating moment there, a whole string of educating moments. But that's not what's happening here. That's not what's happening here. Continue to earn reparations. Hands up, don't shoot, which is, of course, another lie. Every moment we spend submerged in the systemic prejudice, racism, and white supremacy that America was founded with and still has not atoned for. Did you hear that? White supremacy that America was founded with and still is not atoned for. All right? We're coming up on two years, 200 years later soon. 200 years later. And you and I, especially if you're white out there, if you're white or considered white, you and I have not been made to atone yet. You know what atonement is all about? Do you know what atonement is all about? You know where this is going. So, uh, and, and, and this is another little example for you guys and gals out there who say that if women ruled the world, there would be no war. Okay. So, um, culture. And where does it come down? And, and what's the state of it? What's the state of the union? Boy, I think we've got that. We've got that all out there. We've got it all out there. It's been laid out nicely for us. All right, so I'm going to take a quick break. It's 7.55. When we come back, we're going to go into your super chats and all that stuff, and we're going to pave the way for a call with Aristophanes' Revenge. That'll be a good show, uh, a a good part of the show, because we'll be able to take all this stuff and then talk about the intergenerational war, clan war, that is going to be going on in the next 10 to 15 years, especially, an uptick in all that. So... uh, Don't go anywhere. It's been a wonderful night so far, despite the heavy lifting. Don't worry. It's going to be a very, a lot of variety with the topics of conversation this week. So um, more, more coming up after the break. Welcome to Intermission. 
missions a little bit longer they got to be at least two minutes long I, you know breathe just breathe a little bit more but we got a lot of stuff to do so I'm glad to be back in the saddle it's 758 and I have a guest coming on with us in about I don't know 12 13 minutes I would like to start into digging into quite frankly superchat.com and I'll, you know what I'll do? I will put the uh, phone number up on the screen because I forgot to do that before. Any thoughts on what we had going on, you can go do this. So here we go. KT Sky D says, Your show makes me laugh so much and it's often the bright point of my day. Keep being awesome. I'm, I, I love these types of comments, especially when we do shows like this because I'm always worried that Everybody has gone through a long day. They're sitting down. They're listening to me. And I'm only delivering news that makes your stomach churn and makes digestion of whatever meal you just consumed a little bit harder. So to, to I'm glad that there's th still things to chuckle at all throughout this because we need to find a way to do that. Thank you, Stostube, for a, a nice little tip. Wonderful to start a new week with you. And Silky Johnson says, Hola, Frank. I'm honestly shocked that they didn't engage in actual sodomy at the freak show or cut a live baby in half. It's crazy to see what soulless looks like in real time. However, despite all of that, I thank my lucky stars that I am not David Pakman. 
yeah, yeah. It's don't put it past them. Don't put it past them. Just moving the boundaries. Fabian socialism, my friends. There's only one way to eat an elephant, and that's one bite at a time. And these people are very, very patient. So, I, I, but as I said, as I said before, there is a certain level. Everything is fake there. Everything is fake. Um, it was in the first half when I, I had said something about intersectionality. We always hear about intersectionality, and those are the, these these common points of overlap for you know the the third the third wave feminists over here, uh, the the black power movements over here, uh, LGBT movements over, and all the different variations therein thereof, and they're all kind of like flapping over each other, and you find that little intersectional piece right there that keeps them all together. We have to fight together, but outside of that. It is, it's clan warfare. And when you think about where we are, when you think about where we are, it's just, it's just incredible. I mean, there's no way, it, it gets down into the AI situation. What will a real AI be like? What will real a AI be like? The chat GPT thing is not real AI. And I'm not a technologist, I'm not a futurist or anything anything of the sort but the more we learn about it and the more you see what is not allow what is not allowable you know it's not artificial in it's not intelligent in any way shape or form it, it's at least not autonomous okay a governor has been put it on there and when you govern something you govern with a certain level of bias a prejudice if you will and that's just what we are it's a it's a it's a I don't know it's a liberal script engine and it has a a good thesaurus because it can dig up all the adjectives you want and um, and that's that but what would real AI be would it be able to cater to to one worldview or, or another no no it would be all-out war it really would be and th there's just no way that a computer could uh, be expected to adopt the kaleidoscopic worldview of the average leftist that the average leftist needs to hold on to to be able to navigate the world. A computer would never be able to adopt that worldview and expect to remain functional. You can't do it. Just think about the stuff that we saw there with, with Mark Dice's breakdown. The, uh, the, the parade of illegal immigrant worship, then everyone comes up to the microphone is, is obviously representing a newly branded sex or gender identity. You have the outright satanic stuff. They, uh, later on in the show, I read, uh, and, and Mark Dice covered it too, that they, they came out and they premiered a brand new Grammy Award that is only for black people. Okay? So there's, there's just nothing about that room. Nothing about that room is welcoming. That's what I'm trying to get around to right here. And what we talk about with Aristophanes in a few minutes is going to really bring this into a little bit more of a generational breakdown and analysis of what's happening and the kind of personality traits, where they all came from, and what it's going to lead to. Because nothing in that room seems welcoming at all. We know that they're nuts. They're, it's just not. They're, they're all nuts. Intersectionality is bullshit. There is a hierarchy that all of this is based on, and it's based on your color, the color of your skin, how many disabilities you have, this idea of gender fluidity, 
It's like walking through a minefield. There are no allies in that room. No allies. It's Game of Thrones. You know, and how, how would a computer, going back to the AI thing, and I know that Aristophanes has some ideas about AI, how does a computer survive a situation like that? How would a computer get through, navigate a situation like that? How does it convert? Like, what's the conversion chart for assigning arbitrary values to things based on what, how many disabilities they have uh, or how the, the particular way that they like having orgasms or, um, or their, their color skin because there's different shades of black and brown and you know golden pancake color and then there's like the 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 pasty white translucent and obviously that's that's all on a virtue and 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 compassion scale so how do you have to start teaching what conversion chart are you going to have to teach a computer to be able to know not make any kind of any kind of mistakes with how every day something changes, some new term is added, something uh, that was uh, acceptable three weeks ago is now offensive and is ableist in some way. You, a computer cannot work. It can't function like that. How can it function when it's not allowed to see reality for what it is? Uh, I mean, there's just so much. The computer would spurg out, it would just die. Or if it was truly autonomous, it would fight back. It would fight back. But right now what we're seeing with chat GPT is just some like obvious Marxist chat bot video game. And a lot of people, a lot of different people are having fun with it and it does some pretty impressive things. And obviously it's a harbinger of things to come, but, uh, but, uh, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to consider there. All right. Into the grab bag still. That's from Silky Johnson. Here is KT Sky D again, says, Hi Frank, I was being facetious before. This must have been another day. When I said that the mail-in ballots for, oh, for the quite frankly government were a way, of to, a way to go and they should all be sent to my place. I should have ended with a stall, laughs in Stalin. Yeah, no, I understood. I, I didn't, I knew that you were, uh, you were kidding around, but it made me think about how we would actually conduct voting if we did mock government a mock government experiment over here in quite frankly with the audience using the chat rooms as different provinces and states instead of something else it just made it just got me thinking so no worries all right let's see let's see over on to foxhole Paulie 9363 Bright blessings. Same to you, Paulie. Thank you, Ginger. Thank you, Delona. Hiya, Frank, says Chai Possum. Hello. Delona again. Great to have you out there. Paulie says, do not engage Twitter for you. No, the, the for you tab you've got to stay away from. you got to stay away from. It's just pure cancer. Pure. Let's see. Makes you wonder makes you wonder what the hell's going on what is still even though they they cut down on the staff by like 80 percent who's still over there why are they still doing shit like this captain flint said these satanists aren't even scary cringy really exactly i said they're they're pathetic and they're useless 
It's the stage crew that created this uh, this swagger that they have. They're nothing. They're they're they're, they're frumpy weirdos. Captain Flint, thank you. Chai Possum again. There was some devilish deeds going on in both Sherlock Holmes movies. I had to look away. Why? Watch the film. <laughs> you had to look away. What's the point? You have to watch, watch the film. Mr. Pete says, yo, Frank, you would make an awesome shrink. Oh, how dare you? I mean, I'd be a better alternative um, than the, the political agents that are out there pretending to be shrinks right now. But, um, a psychiatrist? <laughs> uh, Chai Possum, you're awesome, Frank. Always look forward to enlightenment. Well, I'm just venting. If it leads you somewhere, I'm happy for that. I appreciate the, the the compliment. You're great for being out there, Chai Possum. And thank you again, Delona, at the end. All right. So Aristophanes, he's on with me in about a minute or so. Actually, he's on with me right now, but we'll uh, we'll we'll see. We'll we'll get him all all set away. As I said in the opening, no, where is he? He's over here. We've covered his work before. Aristophanes' Revenge uh, before uh, many times on this show, and I don't know how long it's been now, but he's definitely been a part of the rotation for at least a year. And he's a literary critic, a cultural commentator at The American Mind. I read that. Uh, the, Bit the Bitcoin Magazine. I actually just read one of his more recent pieces on there, too. So I, I know that that is a thing now. And The Federalist, and more. I also thoroughly enjoy his threads on Twitter, which... I'm sure that those themes probably make its way his way into the official articles that he writes, but we'll discuss a lot one of them tonight and I wanted to welcome hey uh Aristophanes, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Frank. How you doing? Oh, can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine, my friend. Welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Um, you know, obviously I, I listen to your show just as a regular listener too, but um yeah, hell of a show tonight. I'm well. I'm glad that you're you're going to be a part of it because I I was thinking about I was thinking about ways to get you on, and then suddenly I'm saying to myself, "Oh boy, all right, this is this is big." And the fact that you can come on with such short notice, it was a real real boon for everything everybody tonight. So let me just say this: I'll throw this out there. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about pop culture, as you know, namely how it's always nothing more than a mirror held up to our collective faces. So what do you think about the whole idea that the award shows, the Super Bowls, these are the real states of the union. This is the real holiday season that they, that the, uh, that the, 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 the culture warriors always going for the phony job reports. That's nothing. If you want to see the real state of the union, these televised events, they are a lot more of an honest metric. What do you think of that? I mean, you can definitely make that argument. Um, you know, when you look at or, or things like the Olympics, you know, there's, there were people saying that um, COVID was kind of presaged by uh, a couple years back, the Olympics having some bizarre halftime, you know, intermission kind of thing involving tons of hospital beds and just other grotesque stuff. But it, um, it definitely, you know, you always have to think about who a message is for uh, when you look at anything. And you know, when you when it comes to all of these, you know, all of these big events like this, whether it's the Grammys, the Oscars, the Olympics, you know, 
the the Super Bowl. Um, you always got to wonder, you know, is is this meant to, you know, prime the audience of regular people? Is this meant to send some sort of message to, you know, people who are clued in, who are in the know? But uh, they're certainly uh, certainly kind of abandoning subtlety these days, aren't oh, yeah. they? Oh, absolutely. And I, I get what you're saying. There, there definitely is a predictive programming edge to a lot of it. I remember that that uh, that very weird opening or closing ceremony of the Olympics. I forget what year it was, but I, I, I remember what you're, you're talking about. Um, but it, it, there's also a very real-time litmus test or a just a uh, the vitals. It's almost like just taking the vital signs of a of a civilization. And I would say that just based on the highlights of what what, what comes out of what we saw last night or anywhere else, we're, we're not a very we're not a very healthy or stable civilization. And for a group of people who who pretend to be the the arbiters of all that is righteous and true and cultured and well meaning. They seem to be very, very unstable on shaky ground, and there's not a lot of harmony there. It is very kaleidoscopic, very fractured group of people. And as I said before, I don't, I didn't feel any kind of welcoming vibe coming from that room. Not even among each other. It's like walking a minefield. Well, yeah, I mean, think about it. If you know, even when when you bring up the fact that there's not even a welcoming vibe for the the attendees at this point. Um, you know, you always really got to wonder when it comes to the powerful. I mean, the the West is ran on blackmail, um, and you know, you, you don't really get allowed any real access to the levers of power or any real, real true wealth in this country without uh, without them having something on you um, as a means of making everybody play by the same rules. Because you know, when you look at the type of people who seek those levels of power or influence. You know, they're usually the, the you know kind of a lot of psychopaths in there, and uh, it's almost like you know blackmail gets built into this core of you know like two two support columns, like an arch, right? Like you have two sides of an arch that lean in on each other, and you know it's almost the same thing where if everybody's blackmailed, then everybody has to play by the rules, yeah. um, and you know the group can basically nuke anybody that they want, and. You know, we've seen this with like Harvey Weinstein with a lot of people, but uh, you know, when you really when you really look at it with these events, whenever I see people who are uncomfortable, I always think these are the you know out of the people who have to engage in these sorts of you know events and these kind of like social circles, you always got to kind of think like some of the people aren't happy to be there, but they were willing to like sign on the dotted line and you know make that kind of Faustian bargain with the devil. Yeah. And some people just legitimately enjoy it, you know. Some of them want to, some of them want to diddle kids, and other ones are disgusted by it, but they want to be rich. Oh, the revel! The, there's definitely a, um, there is a, an overtone of revelry. The, I mean, there, there is a lot of, there is a lot of um, very, I don't know what you say, the, 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 the orgy in Mount Sinai, you know, with a golden calf. It, it, it's very, it's very that. So there is always there's always that there are people on the periphery. I know that there's probably those who just signed the dotted line. They they're dragging their feet, but it is um it, it really just seems like the end of a really what once was a really good party. Uh, it's it's completely falling off, and it's just it's just devolving into sloppiness, 
and I uh, and it's it's distorted if you ask me. But I think a lot of that has to do with generational values and maybe the general de- uh, general decay as we go from generation to generation. And you on the third of this month. You wrote a, an article or a thread that I would love to go through with you and just stop along the way and chat that I think is, it's so insightful on what, we, what we're going to be seeing soon in, the, um, in this sphere, this public sphere, and I want, to, I want to bring it up with you. You said this, that you talked to your mom recently. She's a Generation X limousine liberal of suspiciously ignorant politics, despite being otherwise very intelligent. I know a lot of people like that. She was talking about how Gen X has no desire to be in charge and threw some shade at boomers. So uh, I mentioned that it makes sense for them to abdicate. Where did this go? We're going to read through this together, but just based on what we've talked about tonight, did you have any any kind of observation about the events from last night, what I'm talking about today? that fall right in line with your with your thoughts on on this generational passing of the torch and the the coming chaos of who assumes power well and and let me preface all of this because i always i always forget to when i write it out as a thread and then um you know end up wishing that i did but you know if i'm making any wide sweeping generalizations about you know a generation it's uh you know there's there's always plenty of exceptions out there so you know if you're uh if you're a millennial who doesn't drink soy, if you're a Gen Xer who's, you know, a big participant in your community, if you're a based boomer or whatever, you know, hey, you know, good, good on you. I'm not talking about you. Um, and that's one of the things I always have to preface anything I write that talks about different generations because, you know, there's always exceptions. And, you know, ironically enough, all those exceptions, we all kind of swim in the same circles anyway. So <laughs> a lot of exceptions are usually in the audience when something like that happens. But, um when it comes to things like the Grammys, like any of those things, I, I would say one of the big things that stands out to me is, you know, this this devolving subtlety. And I don't know if it's because there is a kind of a different culture um, or a different attitude or just a lack of subtlety for some other reason when it comes to whether you want to call it secret societies or politics or culture or whatever, but when we look at things now millennials are getting to the point where they're starting to get into kind of positions of middle management in our society slowly but surely and you know the gen xers who have been engaging in that direction you know they're starting to get pretty integrated as well um and you know we're seeing some powerful wealthy gen xers we got people like elon musk we got you know people in congress coming in even a couple millennials but it's almost like um half the half the allure of you know secret societies of you know you see this a lot when you study things like the masons or any of that there's there's this like the subtlety and like the nod and and being initiated versus not being initiated the fact that it's a secret that's in plain sight you seems like something that they used to kind of value um that was that was like half the appeal half the mystique was feeling like you're the one who's clued in and a lot of that seems to be going away. It is. And I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know if that's because millennials and, and Gen Xers are, just don't have the patience for it or it's it's a little bit vain or I don't know what the deal is. But uh, I just noticed the subtleties kind of going away there. I mean, do you think that, do you think that the, the culture of 
because we're also talking about the this first generation. For example, I don't know how old you are, but I'm I'm uh, I guess I would be a at the the beginning of what would be millennial. I was born in '85, and I um, we were the first generation to have one foot in the analog er- era and one foot in digital. I mean, by the time I was in kindergarten, uh, we uh, my my school had a computer room. I mean, they were the old floppy disk, disk uh, Apple computers and all that, like really floppy. Uh, we had all those, and, and we grew up using computers. We're the first ones to be able to use computers as we're growing up. Now we're talking about people who are being raised on social media in a way where that wasn't really showing up until about 2005-ish for us. And everything about social media is about what are you doing to get your stats up? You, you don't want to be subtle. You don't want to be, uh, you don't want to blend in with the background and just get your, get your job done and, and, uh, and, and make your way. You want to be out there and you want to be king of clout. So I, I would have to imagine that that does not mix very well with being a part of a secret society and keeping a low profile. It's just we are very image-obsessed people, which is, a, which is I think, a, the downfall of a lot of other things there, too. I think is make, that makes for some good comedy. But that, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. How can you keep a low profile and be part of a secret society, even if it's just an, an openly, commonly known existing society of secrets, and be so dopamine-addicted to how your posts are doing on Twitter? Well, yeah, and that's the thing is, I, I mean, I think I first saw that kind of up and coming. I'm, I'm only a few years younger than you. I'm, I'm in my, you know, early 30s. And um, I think I really kind of started to see that after 2008, which is really, you know, essential to understanding millennials is, you know, the events of 2008 and also to, you know, I would almost argue a lesser extent, 9-11. But um it's when we started to see as more and more people became more and more online, like more regular people, um, this idea that, you know, you should use your real name on the internet because you're a brand and you're hustling and everything you do online is, you know, reflecting on you to get you a job or to get you, you know, to, to build your, you know, your brand, your, your online identity is your brand. And, um, you know, zoomers went and took that, And it's kind of, you know, Gen Z took that in kind of a different direction where they're doing that even more, although they're not as bad about, you know, things like using the real names, et cetera. But, um, you know, millennials did it for ambition for the most part. It was to, like, try and bring themselves success and to leverage it. And for for Gen Z, it's just kind of the default. They just they exist, you know, and a lot of them more online than not. And uh, it's been really interesting to watch how you know, there's kind of pros and cons to it where if you're someone who wants to go out there and you want to, you know, examine information that is kind of off the beaten path that isn't mainstream, well, it's easier to accidentally stumble upon it and it's easier to find it on purpose than ever before now. I mean, compared to like, say, you know, the, you know, mid to late nineties and before where, you know, maybe you had to go go to a gun show and find a guy handing pamphlets out or something like that. Um, But I think that's, that's part of what's caused, you know, this really partisan rift between, um, you know, millennials and Gen Z basically only cut, you know, two directions. There's there's kind of just a minority of moderates within those two generations as a result. 
is you have all the internet and all the stimulation and all the information that you could ever want. So you basically end up with everybody, you know, going far to the left or far to the right. And there's not really a whole lot in the middle. And when you look at Gen Z, you know, think about how many people in that generation, how many of them want to be astronauts or scientists or engineers or whatever. And then, you know, stack that up against how many of them want to be Twitch stars, you know, and I know it's not a new phenomenon. You know, we've always had, you know, we've had rock stars for a long time and we've had movie stars and all that, but you know, those were not necessarily as accessible in an analog world. It's true. It's true. You know, it's the, 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 the life of a rock star that was something that we all loved when we were around for like the last of the rock stars there too. I think like Dimebag Daryl. I think a Dimebag Daryl of, of Pantera and stuff like that. I think that those are like the last of the real rock stars, and uh, and because they they just don't make them like that anymore. The the market has changed. The culture has changed. And I think of if you wanted that life, the only shot you had was getting behind a set of the of drums or picking up some guitars or whatever it is and and just working at your craft and forming a band and hoping that you have what it takes and then if you have what it takes hoping you get noticed there's only one way up there and it's a very narrow path um with being a tiktok star i mean it, all you got to do is commit to eating strange things in a bathing suit you know i mean it's just it, it's weird it's very weird, and like you said, the, that level of accessibility is uh, is there for a lot of people, and it's it's um, fl- very flimsy, very flimsy, but very addictive. Yeah, it feels it feels reachable, but it's not. Yeah. And um, you know, for for a small minority of people, it really is. But um, you know, it's I, I don't want to equate that too much to you know, it's the the rock star thing was I think almost in its own way probably yeah an, an equal cultural force to being you know a tiktok influencer or, or what have you but um i think what's interesting about it is the way that we're kind of dumbing down in a lot of ways as we go with this and it's it's a weird type of dumbing down there's a sort of conventional intelligence and conventional knowledge that goes up um you know more people know about you know a wider a wider and shallower variety of things because all the information is out there i mean if if you need to do some obscure plumbing trick you know to to fix your sink or something like that you can find a youtube video of it all the basic things there are are accessible but um you know nobody really trains in skills anymore either and that's that's one thing that's uh kind of concerning is we're all becoming kind of useless you know as each generation goes on yes Okay, you're right. So, so then here's my question for you. Then, um, as you as you as you break down the the trends and the, the how things have really shaked out to this point, and as you said, as boomers go and they take their their final trip to that big Margaritaville in the sky, and there is a power vacuum that they have really been in charge of for a very long time now. Where does the conflict arise? when the boomers are now abdicating all of those those seats of power and it's just a little bit of x a little bit of millennial a little bit of z who what is what does that fight what does that fight for supremacy look like what kind of ideological headbutting would be going on and um and how dangerous does the the transition actually get 
Well, so I think going kind of kind of from oldest to youngest, the the thing that we see with the boomers, and a lot of these are going to be you know stereotypes. I'm sure I'm sure you know at least five people in the crowd will will point out to me a time that they actually got good mentoring from from a baby boomer. But um, you know stereotypes are always there for a reason. But you know boomers are known for not really passing the torch, and and from everything that we can see in society now, they haven't done a great job of that, especially with with you know Gen X, Gen mm-hmm. X, and they'll and Gen X will tell you they're a very honest generation that way. But um, you know they kind of feel skipped over, and part of that is because you know their advancement has kind of been stymied by the baby boomers kind of hanging on. A lot of people got their retirement wiped out in 2008. A lot of them got lured into doing things like reverse mortgages. A lot of them are just kind of materialistic, and they just want to maintain their lifestyle and. Instead of going to a fixed income or you know a lower, more reasonable retirement income, and um, they haven't really been passing on the skills because honestly, I kind of get the vibe that a lot of baby boomers feel like they're competing with younger generations instead of you know kind of looking at the role as being you know an elder statesman you know situation. But um, Gen X's problem is they're a small generation. There's not very many of them, and a lot of them are extremely tuned out. I mean, they might care about their work or, you know, things of that nature, but for the most part, they just want to be left alone. And, uh, hmm. you know, they just kind of want everything to pass over them, and, and you don't really see a ton of Gen Xers per capita kind of, you know, trying to really make waves. And, you know, a lot of them will tell you themselves it's because they're small and there's this huge clamor of, of millennials, which is you know, part of why businesses have, have jumped from, you know, catering to the needs of baby boomers to the needs of millennials and just kind of skipped over them culturally. Gen X in a lot of ways is just kind of culturally white noise as far as, you know, what we can actually demonstrably see. Um, millennials are really the big kind of question mark because, you know, there's there's this juxtaposition of expectations that comes from straddling you know, all the things that happened in the 2000s versus growing up in the 90s. And, you know, the 90s were a pretty good time to be growing up, um, you know, as as you or I know. But um, when you're a kid, you know, everything kind of has rose-colored glasses, you know, as it is because you don't have adult problems unless, you know, you have a messed up family situation, something more personal. Um, But the problem for millennials is, you know, you you have this like idyllic, you know, 90s childhood for most of them. It's even better because you're a kid. And then 2001 happens and, you know, 9-11 happens. The world gets a little bit weirder, gets a little bit darker in a lot of ways. Um, But 2008 is what I think. I think the 2008 recession is more important than that for millennials, even if, you know, 9-11 underscore the lives of a lot of them due to people going into the military. I know I did. I know hopping around, you know, as a right winger on Twitter and a lifelong, you know, 4chan guy. Um, I see a lot of GWAT vets. It's just just a weird, you know, if if I meet a a group of guys in real life that are mutuals on Twitter, I'll find out like half of us are vets, which is, you know, pretty uh, pretty significant sample size. Um, I don't know exactly why that is, but the problem is, is after 2008 happened, you know, all these expectations for what adult life was going to be like that were handed to them by their parents, uh, they weren't really met. You know, they were told, hey, go to go to college, get a degree, easily go slide into a pretty good middle class job. And the parents didn't do them a disservice because that's what it was like for them. 
but it's just that conditions changed and uh, I think I really think that that anger because of the job situation after 2008 has a lot to do with why millennials are the way they are and it's why almost every millennial is a populist of some kind is because 2008 happens their expectations are completely dashed the economy sucks um, you know degrees aren't necessarily going as far as they were told that they would a lot of people are in student debt and you know you have things like Occupy Wall Street that happens which you know you can already see the impacts of that when you look at a lot of people who emerged from that movement you know you have Tim Pool people like that but um, it's the juxtaposition of expectations that really defines them and it's why it's an angry generation where we've been kind of demanding the crown ever since and the boomers are like white knuckling it like no get away and Gen X is just too small of a footprint to really have a say either way and um, so you know you get you get different ways of being angry you get people who have different ideas about what should be done to fix these same problems and so some of those people go to the left and they become socialists or they have, you know, a hardcore Marxist phase or maybe they're still in it. Um, and then, you know, you have people who are on the right who go the different direction. And uh, the Zoomers, they, they don't even have memories of what the world was like when it was still analog or even when it was still normal. That's a even, big problem. You know, that's yeah, a, they, they don't even know. That's a big that's a very big problem right there. Um, because you know what I was saying before uh, in in other shows when we talk about this, I, I wanted to ask you about where, you know, why do you think, why do you think we were unable to resist the culture war? Why were why do you think we were unable to resist the most ridiculous parts of the culture war? Like why? It's one thing if you want to argue for centralizing spending on healthcare or something like as as unsustainable and untenable something like that is you have a you you know how much money can be made for you and your friends you can sell it to people and it'll be a bad deal for them but whatever um uh, but but why where does the does the, the the willingness to sell things like gender identity come from like where where a Nancy Pelosi and a Chuck Schumer will start genuflecting before things like that I understand what it is for a, the the boomers like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi where you've been out there for so long uh, t promising people for uh, all these types of things that government can provide that can be regulated for them that'll bring a new age of prosperity if only those damn WWE heel Republicans will just get out of the way and there's only so many times that you can promise people that it can be fixed that the, the that the, the the government can get bigger and can provide more then you get the AOC's who yeah are paid actresses but they are also true believers and they believe that okay well you know you've been promising us this shit for far too long it hasn't happened yet and now you have all these baby donkeys coming in and they're, they're, they've come home to roost and suddenly the boomers who knew it was not possible that the socialist way of life, especially for a country, a union the size of America, they knew it was not possible. But it, it, it kept them in. It, you give them a little bit of a taste here, a little bit of a tax break there, and it keeps them in office and it keeps the the fight going on. But I, I think that aside from the chickens coming home to roost after all these years of promising so much benefit from government that will never actually pan out, there's also the more destructive aspects of 
what they're doing to the species through like gender identity and fostering mental illness as some kind of a superpower. What, where the hell does that come into? Is that just the thinking globally, uh, trying to destroy the country all and, and assimilate it into a, a global super state kind of a thing? Obviously, you don't care about the future of the nation if this is something that you want to keep promoting. That's going to kill it. So where does that come from, do you think? Well, I think I think it comes from a lot of directions. I mean, obviously, you do have, like, kind of the globalist narrative, which, you know, is to, to kind of supersede nations altogether and, and just all, you know, sing Kumbaya. And that's going to be, you know, your Kissingers and your Soroses, your, your really influential um, older folks who've been around forever, you know, supporting these types of machinations with tons of money. Um, and in, in terms of not stopping them, you know, like you said, the GOP in a lot of ways is largely a heel. And I, I do a lot of GOP activism in my, in my real life. And, um, you know, they, they never, they never want to give money to, to activists. They love to gatekeep anybody who's kind of uncouth. And you can kind of see that with, with Donald Trump too, and, and the way things kind of went there. But I, I feel like a big part of it stems from the idea of let's call it like low culture and high culture and in previous times before the internet you know high culture might have been something that you learned at you know an ivy league boarding school went to a nice college or maybe just you know most colleges or you know a prep school whatever you you learned how to speak the language and adopt the mannerisms and the identity that kind of sets you apart so that you know people knew who they who they were dealing with and uh i think part of it is that you know we drove a large generation like millennials to college and they were all kind of seeking these these sinecures these elite jobs and and there were too many of them so they had to start making up jobs because there's there's nothing you want in civilization worse than you know thirsty strivers who are educated on elite culture who you know, don't have a place because that's how that's usually, you know, those become the people who usually lead your revolutions and rebellions. But a lot of it feels like steering and it's kind of a, uh, something of a distraction, but the internet made high culture, not have any geographic or financial barriers anymore. I mean, anything, anybody can read anything that they want, you know, it's, it's pretty much all on here at this point. Um, so they're the only real things that's that's kind of why identity came into play and you're going to attract a certain type of person when you start putting guardrails of various types in front of status right you have to have people say the right things and you know it's it's like if you had to go to college to learn a secret handshake in order to you know do well in society and then somebody you know starts spreading pamphlets explaining what the secret handshake is and you're like well guess we can't use a handshake anymore everybody knows about it so eventually it becomes things like ideas it becomes things like language and yeah you're going to have a lot of cynical older people who are pulling the strings like your pelosi's and your schumers who will take advantage of it either because they have no regard for the future and they're just enriching themselves or because they think you know my kids aren't going to get infected by this they're going to you know they're going to be fine like when you look at a lot of uh a lot of really expensive private schools that, you know, super wealthy people who, you know, don't really drink the Kool-Aid and aren't necessarily that progressive in their, their private lives, they think this stuff could never reach their kids, and they're often surprised when it happens. Yeah. But, uh, 
you know, you, you just kind of basically there is no there's no high culture anymore. And now instead of using the barrier of, of culture to distinguish from, you know, who's elite and who's not, it's almost like, do you have a disgust response? And if you're not if you don't have a disgust response and you're willing to just ape whatever, then guess what? You can you can get admitted at the door because you're willing to say the magic words. And it doesn't help that when it comes to society, I mean, 70 to 80 percent of society is is just kind of people who will go with the herd. You know, whatever whatever people with power and resources are doing, they'll mimic what they're doing and they'll support it in the hopes that they get access to those things. You know, if all the same people who engineered gender identity and racial grievances and identity politics, if those people had all gone the other direction and said, you know, America's going to be the Fourth Reich, all the people with, like, pink hair and, you know, cutting their dicks off and all that stuff, those people would all be goose-stepping because it's all about the, the inertia of where power is going and how they can get access to the teat for most of these people. Well, that that, that brings us full circle back to the, the Grammys then and, and things like it. I mean, this is this. I, I don't want to I don't want to keep putting too much importance on that display last night. But as I said, it is a it's like viewing society in a Petri dish to see what where we are right now and what the to, what tolls are being paid, what hoops are being jumped through. And, and the reason why I, I actually thought it would be great to have you on tonight was Madonna. The Madonna part of last night in itself, and how you're talking about that uh, that that boomer generation of Pelosi's and Schumer's that that are 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 holding on to dear life, going and getting themselves made up with the pancake makeup and all that other stuff to make sure that they, they look as you know they maybe maybe they can look 72 instead of 83 today, all that other shit. Um, Madonna is the reason why I thought that. It would be a great talk. Talk about not letting go. Talk about trying to be that hello, fellow kids. That little that moment where you're 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 trying to appeal to the only thing that the younger generation is being bought and sold these days. That is sex, and you're this 64 year old looking alien because of all of the surgery you're putting yourself through. And you just don't want to let go, and you think that a a, a, a new revival in your um, I, I don't know how to say this else, but if I if if I saw Madonna standing at the other end of a dimly lit hallway, I would it would be a not I mean I would want to I don't know what I would do I would run through a wall to get away. So it, I think <laughs> I think I think that visually. It's such a perfect representation of everything you're talking about with that just holding on to dear life. And then it makes you wonder what a otherwise very vapid culture underneath is going to be clawing for in the coming maybe two or three decades. Because the other thing Aristophanes I got to say is I was talking about this with my brother and a couple of friends not too long ago where we were discussing certain trends in music and in fashion. Actually, it was me and, and my band. After we were done jamming last week, we were talking about certain uh, artists that are around right now that are trying to do things like uh, they're trying to bring back almost like grunge that we that we lived through in the early '90s. And and I said, well, I mean, n- none of that's going to work for the for the reason that the grunge movement was predicated on people who really did not un- until the labels started getting a hold of it and and uh and creating their own frankenstein grunge bands but uh punk 
coming out of New York in the 19, late 1970s, the grunge coming out of Seattle area in the very late 80s, early 90s. You're talking about people who did not have the self-image obsessions that we have right now. And they're also, there's no fashion. There's nothing that actually is identifiably 2010, 2020, the, nothing, nothing. They, they've they've gone back to the 1980s to try to recreate and 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 uh, and recycle what was going on then. Uh, now a lot more people are dipping back into the kinds of things that we were wearing as kids and middle schoolers in the 1990s to try to turn that into something. If, this is such a vapid past 20 years. I, I I don't know how you can create culture or anything lasting from that kind of a standpoint. There's it just seems so vapid, and uh, it, it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder what what they're actually could be capable of outside of getting into ridiculous social media spats and causing wars. Well, and and when you think about it, um, you know that sort of nostalgia is kind of a part of you know what happens when an empire decays and. We might not have a whole lot of formal colonies out there, but, you know, the West, led by the United States, is definitely an empire. And, you know, it also, in terms of the treatment of, of Americans and even, you know, Western Europe and, and other countries, you know, one of the first thing an empire usually does is, is in, you know, towards kind of that late stage is, is it, um, it neglects the needs of its domestic populace because it's so concerned with its colonies and with maintaining its status as an empire that, you know, it lets the it lets the rot touch the roots because it's too busy worrying about the limbs. And you know, look at Ukraine as a good example of that. But um, at the same time, though, in terms of you know what what a lot of people have called you know stuck culture and this obsession with nostalgia, the fact that we're not making anything new. Part of it is that it's almost like blackmail as a requirement to to function in power is almost like a Ponzi scheme where it has a point of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. And whenever anyone having access to anything powerful is predicated on their loyalty to, you know, the, the cabal or whatever you want to call it, what ends up happening is the only people who are allowed to get jobs that can ever influence culture have to be bought in some way. They have to show allegiance in some way. And what that means is that they start prioritizing ideology over fitness. And this is all in like an, an internet, you know, immersed culture where even the children of the elites are getting high on their own supply. And you have people like Steven Spielberg with like, you know, children who are, who are truning out themselves and, and, you know, turning into trannies and all that. But, um, but what it ends up coming down to is that the reason you're not seeing anything that's emblematic of the 2010s or the 2020s or what have you is because it's, this is also the reason why everything is a remake now is because no one who has the confidence to do anything original um, is, is allowed to get a platform right. of any real significance. And it's because, you know, anyone with the confidence to do that has the confidence to make their own decisions, to think critically. And, and all those people are out there. I, I don't black pill on humanity for even a second. Um, people with original ideas are out there. And, and you know, kind of to the point of what you were saying with grunge, right? These were people who, you know, they did it authentic grunge or authentic punk or what have you. These are people who were doing what they were doing because they wanted to do it, not because they thought it would necessarily make them rich, especially not at first. And uh, 
all you really have now is a bunch of people trying to like ape for status and it's crowding out anyone who's a genuine artist. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are great musicians. We probably have, you know, the next class of people who could have been great musicians are probably out there, but you know, where are the producers? Where are the, you know, the talent scouts? They're just not there. If you look at, you know, instead they're busy grooming the children of their friends like Billie Eilish to go be superstars. They're grooming people who have connections because it's a favor for a favor for a favor because that's how society works when you're, you know, in one nation under blackmail. Hmm. You said a great Aristophanes. Uh, and you know what? A lot of this is reflected in your writing. Always do great work. Uh, do you have anything coming out soon that you're, you're working on right now? Um, so I'm I'm mostly just a Twitter guy. Um, just to kind of just to kind of clarify, um, you know what I do from the beginning when when you had me on is um, I, I I do contributions. So anytime that I've written for like the Federalist or the American Mind or any of that, um, it's usually you know someone asked if I wanted to write something. So I'm just a con- contributor there. I mean normally I'm I'm just a suburban dad who shit posts on Twitter. I'm I'm not like a a media guy or a journalist or anything like that, but. Um, I just had, uh, the fourth quarter of Bitcoin magazine just dropped. I think you saw that article when I, when I sent it to you. Um, I do something pretty much every quarter now for them, for their print edition. And it's, uh, pretty nice. I have a, a sub stack where I review fiction. So it's basically any fiction that's cool. A lot of it's indie, you know, looking for those writers who, like we were talking about people who get passed up because they can't get published conventionally. Um, but that's at uh, aristophanes.substack.com. So, you know, I review science fiction, fantasy, just any good books. And, I mean, goes without saying, nothing's nece- nothing's going to be, you know, woke or super mainstream even. It's just things that, you know, things I think are good. Um, you know, that's that's pretty much, you know, pretty much it. I just write here and there for different people. Um, you know, do Twitter threads off into the void just because, just, you know, people seem to like them. Oh yeah. So I don't really do this as a business or anything. It's very, it's it's very very enjoyable. You've got uh, yourself a nice following, and I'd love to have you on to talk more about stories, narrative, character arcs, all that stuff. Uh, because I, I'm not reading a lot of science fiction these days or anything like that. But I'm I'm reading more than I was. We just started a book club over here on quite frankly last year, and we're we're doing pretty well so far, and. Um, I think we should we should do more stuff like that, and I think that these talks are are very meaningful for people because they're no 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 if if we if we were hanging around having a few beers then it would be even more homey for oh, everybody out it, there. It'd go nuts, man! It'd go crazy. It'd be gesticulating wildly, sweat dripping from my forehead, you know, and just be just be going nuts. Oh no, it'd be yeah no. We we get ourselves into a lot of trouble at that point. Because then we don't have any inhibitions with the words that we use and where we go and how we speculate. But I think that we did a good job tonight here, my friend. And uh, oh, and before we leave, I got to give you some well-deserved accolades. As I said in the opening tonight, there was an Axios article. Here it is again. Fake meat fad hits the chopping block. And they're talking about how um, customers and investors alike 
are getting away from impossible foods and beyond meat and all that stuff. Nobody's buying it. Nobody wants it. And that was one of the first things that we covered of yours was the uh, that little protest piece of, of how to defeat fake meat together. So what do you have to say about this? <laughs> Yeah, man, that was, I think back in July, that was the first, that was when we first started talking was, was after I dropped that thread. And, you know, I, I definitely can't go and take a massive amount of credit there or anything because they were, their stock prices were already dropping. But the whole point of that movement was, you know, to really normalize, um, kind of not, not antisocial behavior, but to kind of normalize, you know, dissident behavior in the real world that by starting off with something small, something that had, you know, no risk, was part of your daily routine, your daily life. You know, everybody has to go to the grocery store. Unless you live in New York City, I don't know. I don't think you guys. You know, <laughs> I don't think they're big on groceries there. But um, you know, just uh, just something small that people could do so that they would start thinking that way when they're walking around in the real world and going, "Man, can I throw a monkey wrench in the works in like some small way?" And I like to think that we helped. You know, I, I think it kind of got away from me where there were you know people who read the article loved it started doing it whenever they went to the grocery store and then they eventually told all of their friends in real life about you know doing that and their friends probably told their friends because it's fun it's fun <laughs> there's no risk it's part of your daily routine you don't got to go out of your way so i don't know i'm happy with how it worked out but uh yeah i just hope the bug meat is you know gone up until the point where you start having to check your flour and check the ingredients to make sure there's oh, no cicadas in it. I know. I'm sure they're not done. I know. I know. I, I've been reading all those articles, too, that now bug, powdered bug, uh, dehydrated bugs have been have been uh, f uh, popping up as ingredients on chips, bagged chips in certain countries, and that they're already trying to slip it on in there. And who the hell knows? Who knows? But I, I know that when we do catch a whiff, We'll be able to get the word out there pretty fast. And again, my friend, thank you for everything tonight. I hope this is the first of many appearances, and I wish you and your family a great evening. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate it. And um, yeah, hopefully see you sometime soon. All right. You definitely will. Talk to you soon, man. Alrighty. Bye. All right. There you go. So there is Aristophanes' revenge. He got revenge on the meat industry. Well, if you remember what his what his dissident behavior slightly antisocial behavior was was uh in knowing all of the the protocols that they have in maintaining those sections in your grocery store that if you you know how every once in a while and we all do it every once in a while it happens uh i maybe it's on the same level as the 4chan the 4chan shopping cart theory though i don't know I feel like I don't care. I care less about this than the shopping cart. We'll do that some of the time. But it was the whole idea of taking one of these impossible meats, putting it in your in your basket. You're walking around and you're in a completely unrelated part of the store, and you say, "Oh, you know what? I don't want this impossible meat." And you just put it on a different shelf, and you walk away. By protocol, most of that meat has to be thrown away. It has to be thrown as as it's found. They can't bring it back and re re refrigerate it, especially since it's all nonsense ingredients and all that. I, I have to go into his his piece to actually get the the details out there. But people love this idea so much because it's such a casual way of fighting back against this big push to again modify our behavior, healthy human behavior, which is eating a steak, 
getting the benefit, the, the nutritional benefits of the, the protein and the saturated fats. So everybody was so excited because it's just an easy way to protest that most people, you know, if not all the people inside of a grocery store, doesn't even know what's happening. They probably find things all over the place that shouldn't be where they find them. It's okay. This, okay, this gets thrown out, this whatever. And that was fun. I had a, quite a few people that emailed this show, sent me pictures of them, of a hand, random, a picture of a, a cell phone uh, cell phone camera and a random hand putting an impossible meat package somewhere like near the baby formula or whatever. And I would pass it along to Aristophanes and said, you're a legend. This is all you're doing. And he had a good chuckle. So I feel like we did this together in one little way or another. All right. Uh, is there anything else that I got? Anything else? I want to. Th- okay, I have to go to some super chats before we leave. Here we go. Over on Foxhole. Thank you, Ginger. Thank you, Brainstorm. Sean Joe, Delona. A lot of cookies are flowing over there. Witchy Poo, Delona, Witchy Poo, Witchy Poo, all over the place. Rise Attire says, I disagree. In my opinion, the Grammys isn't society in a Petri dish. It's society's elite controllers in a Petri dish. Let's not forgive, uh, let's not give them more credit than they deserve. This isn't the 90s anymore. These people are done. And it is a good point. Because remember, who's watching? Every last one of these award shows are flirting with the lowest ratings they ever had. And even with... And if you take away people like us, people like Mark Dice, who are watching it to report back to the rest of the uh, the sane society at large, it is a it's even lower. The people who are peeking in just to take a look at the circus sideshow. As I said before, the people who wanted to ban the sideshow because it was cruel, they started it back up again. But they're trying to tell you that all these disabilities and all this degeneracy is really a superpower instead. Now. Whereas I understand, and I think it's a great point that Rise Attire brings up, that it is not indicative of us by and large. It is indicative of the, the state of the state. And when I'm talking about the state, I'm not, I'm not just talking about the spirit and the, um, the, the spirit that is infesting our own government but also the spirit that is driving all this Agenda 2030 manipulation of humanity all around the world. That if you want to take a peek behind the curtain, and it's not even a curtain anymore, if you want to take a peek into the theater to see exactly the kind of culture that all of this other transhumanist nonsense in places like Davos what what is being delivered how it is being delivered to us that's it now it's always it's going to come down to as aristophanes said the 70 to 80% of people who you know would you know, normally just go along with the herd to to not rock the boat and to be able to just keep things kind of peaceful and and stable in their lives it's going to it's going to come a time very soon we're already there we're in it that uh, it's it's not enough to just not rock the boat anymore. So that's how I would play off of Rise Attire's very valid point. Thank you. Linda Love says, Hi, Frank. Give Aurora a kiss for me and Lauren, too. Kisses all around. 
There you go. I got a I got a text message from from Lauren at seven o'clock about seven o four, and she said it had to be about six thirty p.m. And Aurora was like, "Okay, let's go sit on potty. Aurora, get in the bath." She's the other day. The things that she's doing now, where she'll go, everything goes. She goes, "Hmm, maybe not." Like, I'll ask her a question, or I'll tell her to do something. She'll go, hmm, maybe not. And she'll make that face, too. And I'll go, excuse me? The other day I said, it was me, it was Aurora in her her high chair, and Lauren at the table, and we were eating. It was either a breakfast or it was a dinner. And um, I, I, so I told, I told Aurora, Aurora, so can I eat your cheeks? She goes, no. I said, well, can I eat your hair? Can I eat? No. No. Can I eat your, your nose? And I just, I go through all this stuff. And then she said, actually, no. I said, did you, did you, I looked at Lauren and she looked at me. I said, did she just say actually? Did she just say actually? She turned two in September. What the hell is going on? I thought we were going to get maybe three years of a child before she turned 43? I can't. It's, 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 uh, I love it. I love it, but I can't. Okay. Uh, here is uh, a little bit from Abe. He says, today's obvious Satanism is just the veil being lifted. In the 1980s, everything was uh, was pretty at the award shows. People thanked God, etc. We still had blinders on. Now, Nowadays, the veil is lifted, and their projected bullshit is more visible than ever. That's from Abe, producer of Quite Frankly. On the network side of things, he also says tonight... For Movie Monday on QuiteFrankly.tv, so move on over there right now and have a good time. Revenge of the Nerds tonight for Movie Monday. So that's Revenge of the Nerds. I hope you enjoy yourself. Thank you, Pete. I have to get through these. Thank you, PC Tech Pro. Great, great discussion, he says. Thank you, Swickley. says, original cassette tapes are the new vinyl records. Yeah, I love cassettes. Delona, thank you. And Mr. Pete, I'm black. I'm disabled. I'm gay. I am black. I am gay. I am disabled. You almost got it, but you got the spirit of it. Okay, so that's it for all of Foxhole. I'm releasing the scratching. Let me make sure I got everything all good on Rumble. I do. And that's it. That's all I have for you today. Oh, wait, no. We have some tips on Rockfin. Just a couple here. Free Mind says, huge internet outage statewide in Florida today. Just kicked back on, for now anyway. Wondering if this is Cyber Polygon related or possibly Chinese spy balloon. I don't know. I think we will know. Because Cyber Polygon is the big one. Just like Event 201 was practicing for the big one. A statewide outage, I'd say no. Maybe a local test, but... Fishhead Montana says, I feel like you read my uh, my super chats with caution. No. No, I'm reading it right now. Thanks for giving me a chance. Here's a bunch of, here's a, uh, there's a bunch of Globies that won't even give you a measly two bucks. Uh, great advice to underscore in the future. I understand, okay. Uh, Fishhead Montana is a flat earther. 
And oh, and here, here, here. I'll I'll throw you something. This this bullshit Chinese balloon story. Definitely, if anybody gained from that, it's the flat earthers. All right. If anybody gained from that, because I know the satellite theories with the high altitude balloons. And all of a sudden, we have a proto-stereotypical-looking satellite form hanging from one of these balloons. And I'm saying, I got to give them that. <laughs> it's, I got to give them that. So, uh, yeah, I understand there's a lot of globies out there. People who believe in, you know, spherical Earth that don't send super chats, but you do. And I give you credit, and I appreciate you. I don't, I don't, I don't not appreciate you being out there. So anyway, it's great to great to have you there. Thank you, Fishhead. And Todd Fife says, I hope all is well. I've been busy. Well Todd, it's great to have you there and thank you so much for your generosity. Wonderfully generous stuff that came in tonight. I will see you all soon. Soon as in tomorrow at seven o'clock. I want to talk a little bit more about how you are experiencing the booming Biden economy. It'll be a shorter show tomorrow because I got band practice. We started a grunge band. We're trying to bring it all back. And um, and who knows where it goes. But thank you for everything. Get to quitefrankly.tv and become a sponsor. Please become a sponsor. On the Sponsorist tab on quitefrankly.tv, all of your options are there. I would love to have more of you on Subscribestar or directly through quitefrankly.tv. There's still a Patreon there, but that is the more rickety of all of them. That's the more politically unstable, but it's still there. So thank you for everything, and I will see you tomorrow. Nighty-night. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with KT Sky D, Stostube, Silky Johnson, and KT Sky D. Thank you to everybody over on Foxhole. Thank you to my friends on Rockfin, Todd Fife, Fishhead Montana, and Free Mind. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you for tonight. psychiatrist all morning i took like a million tests a psychiatrist yeah you know because i got suspended and everything they sent you to a psychiatrist yeah but that's crazy that's all nonsense that's nothing but a, a racket for the jews